Hello and welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. I'm Jorna Taylor and today I'm going to be your host because our friend Matt Brusky is not in the Citizen Action recording studio with us. Instead, he is in Washington, D.C. at a conference doing the very important work of organizing and learning more on how we better organize people here in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin. However, we are joined in studio by Citizen Action Executive Director Robert Craig. Robert? Good morning, Jorna, and good afternoon. Great to be with you. It's great to be here, as it always is. Uh, so we have an exciting jam-packed show for you today. It's just going to be the Robert Jorna Dog and Pony Show, which is always thrilling for listeners. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our friends over at WeDeck, because they're always up to something good. We're going to talk about rioting in Wisconsin and what that might look like for you the next time you get together with a couple of your friends. We'll talk about Sheriff Clark. I know you all are super excited about his recent announcement, or maybe not announcement, or it's a little confusing. We're going to talk about Badger Care, and we're going to round out this program with the orange Cheeto in the White House and his leaky sieve of a mouth. So, with that, <laughs> let's jump right into it. Robert, our friends at WeDeck, they've, uh, they've been up to a lot of good lately, haven't they? Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about the uh, recent audit? <laughs> Well, their worst enemy seems to be the audit. Then they go on Pierre tours. I mean, themselves? Well, they remember there was a little move to like get rid of the State Audit Bureau, and then uh, Walker even pushed it a little and then got his finger burnt and stepped back. But this is why they don't like audit bureaus, because they're fact-based, and we actually find out what's going on. So the CEO, Mark Hogan, uh, one of many foreign junkets, has been carrying on going around the state with various CEOs saying how they've improved everything at WEDEC and everything's great and hunky-dory, so much so that the authority to give loans that the legislature took away from them was given back to them and uh, with uh, some unfortunate results. But we're going to get to, uh, let me, obviously I'm going to, I know Jordan will be excited about the news about chauffeurs, but I want to hold that for a second. I do There's, hate driving. Yes. So there's, there's something to do with chauffeurs. Before, remember, they had issues with you know, buying Badger tickets and various parties. But the, the kind of core news on top of that is, is that the Audit Bureau found that they are violating state law by not asking employers for enough information to actually verify whether jobs are created or not. And therefore, the Audit Bureau uh, has determined uh, that their job creation numbers on their website is, are suspect. Now, you remember... We had shown last year after the, uh, after the civil unrest in Sherman Park that the jobs they claimed to create around Sherman Park weren't really there, and we had been hounded back at them, and they had told us that they created all these jobs, da-da-da-da. Well, now we have the State Audit Bureau, an independent arbiter, saying we can trust no job creation claims on the website, and these are the job creation claims being used by Governor Walker in his re-election. So... Robert, it seems that uh, the governor has been doing a bang-up job here, and he's been paying a lot of attention to WEDAC and the jobs numbers in Wisconsin. Remember, he did this very quickly. We're one of the few, uh, Citizen Action, a a AFT Wisconsin, a few others that objected strenuously, and we under underwarned back in 2011 about how bad this thing would be, and after all the scandal around it, it's just shocking that going into his re-election year that it's still this bad. I mean, this really is misgovernment. We know the thing's a cash machine for uh, Walker donors, that a huge percentage of the people who get uh, don't get money from WEDEC actually uh, are campaign donors, and that has no strategy to create living wage jobs where they're needed most in the state, in rural areas, in urban areas, whatsoever. Uh, but 
it's amazing. I mean, we have Mark Hogan, who now looks as bad as all the other previous CEOs of WEDAC, who, by the way, when uh, TMJ4 in Milwaukee here did a big investigative report, their I-team, they call it, on WEDAC after our Sherman Park revelations, they couldn't get a, an interview with Mr. Hogan. He refused to go on camera. So the whole story was, was, was mostly uh, Citizen Action of Wisconsin talking about what we found. Uh, but you have Hogan saying in a news release that the agency looks forward to reviewing the audit and implementing changes. He said the agency is committed to providing the highest level of transparency and accountability. Let's talk, let's talk about our governor for a moment. Because um, you mentioned a re-election campaign here. And I'm not seeing the governor really reacting to this. You know, I, I follow him on Twitter. He's, he's all about the brewers who are in first place, I'd like to mention. You know, we got that going for us, which is nice. Clearly Walker's, you know, Walker did it, right? You know, uh, well, duh. <laughs> uh, but let's let's talk about the governor. You know, what is what is his what is his future? Right, he's kind of mailing in this re-election campaign a little bit here. It's like you know, a love letter to Wisconsin. He's just not that into you anymore. But there's nowhere else for him to go. So he like you know keeps you around as his side hookup, waiting to see what's going to happen. <laughs> he's kind of a, on a quasi victory tour, uh, <laughs> in the sense that he's claiming everything's great. The Wisconsin comeback. You know, touting jobs numbers, which are still below his four-year promise, and have the Weedek mess, claiming he because he made a, a slight, a slight faint to the center because he wanted to soften his image. He claims he's increasing education spending dramatically, where he's just restoring some of his previous cuts. And so he got politifacted this week and got a mostly false. They actually quoting a right-wing think tank. Uh, which said that he's actually spending in tax in inflation-adjusted terms a billion dollars less than the height of the Doyle education spending. So, but it's, it's more than in, in history, according to Walker. Uh, but it's kind of interesting in that he he's become the status quo, and so if people like the status quo, then they should certainly vote for Governor Walker. And then he has, in addition to these moderate feints, like on some more restoring some education cuts, some hard right stuff, like uh, on we're going to get to Badgerker later, but it includes other social welfare programs, this forced drug testing, work requirements, etc. Um, and so that's the other part of the reelection campaign. But I think that. There may well be ads about the chauffeur program at WEDEC. I'm not opposed to this. Tell me more. So according to the Associated Press, again, not radical left-wing media like Fake we'd be news. accused of, right? Uh, the, according to AP from the Audit Bureau report, uh, they spent WEDEC $41,000 on chauffeurs. Uh, and so the agency's response is not that you know, not justifying chauffeurs. Of course we need chauffeurs for these important job creators, right? And these important people like CEO Mark Hogan and others. Uh, but their response was that they, they use a process to select chauffeurs, uh, to, you know, to be cost-effective, et cetera. But AP then includes dryly, the agency's policies don't include that process and don't require staff to maintain documentation showing the spending was reasonable. Well, I'm not opposed to the chauffeur process. I do hate driving, especially around Milwaukee. But uh, this seems like yet another really accountable program that we at WEDEC has. Well, WEDEC's Milwaukee office is around the corner from Citizen Action of Wisconsin and the Global Water Technology Center. I don't know; they've not. Do you offered... hang out there a lot, Robert? Well, one time. Coffee. Coffee with Weedek. One time one of our organizers <laughs> looking around and was nabbed by security for yes. going. So, but uh, infiltrators. To, to, you know, all public money, right? Great, but um. 
they haven't offered to send any chauffeurs over here after podcast. Well, unfortunate. Um, so, so we like doing a bang up job. We're going to hear more about this in the coming weeks. Before we move on or off of Walker and his reelection, uh, one of the things that popped to me this week, and I don't know if you saw this, Robert, but. In the governor's budget, which is now in front of the Joint Finance Committee, there was a request to eliminate six election commission staff positions, mm-hmm. um, which actually would be very convenient for the governor, I would, I would think. Um, frankly, they restored five of those six so far in the Joint Finance Committee um, hearing, saying that they could come back for more money if they needed the sixth. Let's be clear, this is an underfunded and understaffed agency to begin with that governs the entire state's electoral process. Uh, so let's just cut democracy. So the governor wanted to cut some democracy. That's cool. Well, he claims that in- election integrity is his top priority, and that's right. why we had to do photo ID. We yes. had to like cut down early voting. Uh, apparently not, right? And I should disclose that uh, Citizen Action's board president, Mark Thompson, is also chair of the State Election Commission. But in this case, we have the Republicans in the legislature restoring the money. So this is so bad that there's bipartisan <laughs> that opposition. His even. Right. <laughs> Because, uh, I mean, why would you? We don't need a staff to run elections, apparently. Who knew? Uh, but then further, there's still the risk of a line item veto. Sure. And so we still need to, you know, anything. If Walker, remember, you have the Vanna White veto in Wisconsin. So he can just X those positions right out. He can, in fact, get rid of the whole state election commission's funding yeah. with a line item veto. And then they need, they might override him on that, but they need, you know, the two thirds to override him. So speaking of the legislature, we're going to have to go to break, but there has been a pretty exciting uh, occurrence or piece of legislation that was introduced this week into the legislature that may affect some of Citizen Action's abilities to hold our elected officials accountable, Robert. And so I'm really excited to hear more about this, quote, riot bill. But we're going to have to hear from our sponsors first. So we'll get back to you on the Battleground Wisconsin. All right. Well, welcome back. We are really excited to be with you here on the Battleground Wisconsin. And now we're going to talk about rioting because that is a huge issue in Wisconsin. Robert, have you been to a riot lately? Uh, no. Lies. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like revolution. Riot and has become, you know, you know, commercialized in a lot of ways, right? It's not as scary as it used Riots aren't what they used to be. Wait, I had, I had drinks with a couple of friends last night. So there were three of us. Is that a riot? Well, that's a good question. Uh, so this allegedly comes out of the Sherman Park disturbance. So apparently if we had more felonies, everything would be good, right? <laughs> uh, because we're going to hit a record number of people incarcerated in the state of Wisconsin next year, according to research. And so we need more. Uh, but this is from Representative John Spiros and Senator Van Wangard. And there's probably press on this or it's going to come, but we just saw the bills start being circulated. So we're just looking at the bill and it kind of caught my attention if you want to hear the broadness of definition for a riot, and I mean how you'd even determine uh, whether these conditions are met, uh, the, this is from the uh, sign-on menu, menu memo, so it'll see how many people sign on to this. It's apparently a whole riot package. I'm only talking Excellent. about one of the bills, in fairness. And that is, the bill would define a riot as a public disturbance that involves an act of violence as part of an assemblage, assembly of at least three persons that constitutes a clear and present danger of property damage or personal injury or threat of an act of violence as part of an assembly of at least three persons, so just a threat, 
uh, having the ability of immediate execution of the threat if the threatened action would constitute clear and present danger, property damage, or personal injury. The bill would also set the penalty for those those participating in the riot as a class one felony. So the way I read this, and our lawyer friends can can email in and call in and tell me if I'm wrong, it looks like if you have three people and there's a threat of violence and the group of three people have the ability to execute it on property, so not vi just violence, property damage, that it's a class one felony. And of course, how you determine whether there was a threatened violence against property, property damage, is you know uh, is unclear. I mean, the other side could claim such a threat occurred, and then it's a riot. If if if, if or you could pro you could at least be uh, charged with rioting. So I'm sure that after a couple of glasses of wine last night, Robert, I may or may not have made reference to wanting to punch someone in the face. I will not go through with that because I'm not actually a violent person, and I'm not actually very good at punching. So there's that. But that would that would constitute a potential riot under this definition. I would just think that the average Tea Party takeover of a congressional uh, listening session in 2010 was a riot oh, by this definition. Oh, God, absolutely. <laughs> so, that, so this is more kind of, of it's kind of weird. We have, the public has come around on criminal justice, realizes that we, we're way overusing incarceration with, with really deadly results in the state and that we need to dragly re reduce the number of felonies and the number of people in prison. Uh, particularly nonviolent offenders, and then we, whenever you know, we have this sort of stuff coming from the mind of the far right that still is in the Sheriff Clark kind of mold that everyone should be gun toted and we should throw away the key, and that the, the solution to every problem is to throw more people in jail. Yeah, works for me. Uh, so speaking of another, you just mentioned another riot in our life, and not the funny haha -ha kind. Mm -hmm. uh, Sheriff Clark. So some news broke yesterday afternoon, and we record on Thursday morning, so Wednesday afternoon here, uh, that the esteemed horse-riding cowboy from Milwaukee, no horses were harmed in the making of this podcast, has been tagged to be the assistant uh, Homeland Security director. Well, or maybe not, because we weren't really sure it broke in Wisconsin, but then Homeland Security was like, um, we don't really know not if this is a thing. Not immediately confirming, <laughs> apparently. So, um, so there's, there's a couple of things with this, right? So, yay, he's going to be gone from Milwaukee. Boo, he's going to wreak havoc in Washington, D.C. Robert, what do you think about this? Well, it's unclear how much authority he, he's some kind of liaison with local government, which will be really fun for he's local good at government. That. He's super good at that. I saw the former Obama administration official that had the same job feels badly for all of her, you know, civil service people that now have to work for this man. I mean, it's really weird. He's kind of a perfect reflection of all of the psychoses of the far right right now because he hasn't run the sheriff's department well at all. A lot of prisoners have died in his custody, right? Uh, but he, he does not clearly even runs the sheriff's department, but he's good at going and making bizarre polarizing statements, attacking Black Lives Matter, um, claiming that there's, that there's, no, there's no issue with discrimination anymore or, or, and no police violence within, within urban areas anymore, that those are problems in the 60s. And uh, doing public service announcements, my favorite, uh, telling people that he can't get to them in time to save them, so they better have their guns ready to shoot down intruders. I mean, this is out of a 
Death Wish movie. Remember those Charles Bronda movies or things like that? Uh, but the, the, with this African-American man with a, with a big hat, with a big cowboy hat and, and riding horses. It's bizarre. Though he's bought some very nice giant high-tech paddy wagons to carry away the rioters. Speaking of our old, I put in quotes to, to yeah, reference same. our earlier topic. Well, I think this is a very curious development, and it leaves the question now, what happens with the appointment for a new sheriff in Milwaukee? This is a a Walker appointment. Um, We have been hearing that any of the deputies that currently exist in the sheriff's department really don't want to have the job. I don't blame them at the moment. Um, But we, we have, you know, we have one declared candidate who is currently running for Sheriff Ernell Lucas, um, you know, so, I mean, it would be of my opinion that he should apply for the job because, let's be honest, the power of incumbency is is helpful. Will yeah. he pass a Walker vet? <laughs> you know, what sort of right-wing nut job can Scott Walker replace David Clark with that would live, who would fill those cowboy boots in that hat, that 10-gallon hat? And we haven't done our... Um you know, Citizen Action Wisconsin candidate endorsement process. So we haven't dug into Ernell Lucas, but he seems by resume highly qualified and he's running already. And he currently works for Major League Baseball where he's had a ma- been head of security. Major League Baseball, Brewers number one. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, has is, is been part of a big organization and seems to not to be credible, unlike the current per, uh, David Clark. Here's the thing about David Clark, though, and the right in general. The whole Trump presidency, the whole election of Trump is about trashing our democracy. I mean, it's people saying literally that I'm so fed up, I have, I have so much disregard for, for government, that I think we can have this reality TV show star in charge, and we'll see how, we see how wonderful that has been working out. And so David Clark's only qualifications are to be controversial, quite frankly, and to say hateful right-wing things that rile up 80% of the society. That's literally, that's his credential. And so if that's the credential for government, it's just the further trashing of government. And the problem with that is, is that even if it's conservatives that are trashing government, right, it trashes government for everyone and it makes it harder for us to use our democratic government to deal with education, economic justice, all the other major 21st century problems that we need to address uh, in, our, in our country and in our state. And so he's really, it's not just about one crazy guy. I want to say that this is a, a right-wing impulse to put people in charge who have no credential other than to embarrass and trash the, 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 uh, the agencies and the governments they're supposed to lead. I don't disagree. I, I see this a little bit as uh, Donald Trump's diversity initiative as well, because can we name any other people of color that he has appointed to any sort of positions? He was one of the few that spoke at the Republican convention. I see the networks have even given up on their old strategy at Republican conventions of showing the same African-Americans <laughs> over and over again. But that came embarrassing, right? Like, wait, did nobody see that guy 20 <laughs> times? Uh, but, you know, he comes out with his big hat and he gets in all the, in the, in the, oh the press roles and then you figure... Well, my goodness, right? They, they have plenty of diversity. Uh, it's going to be very interesting because he's about as competent as the president himself. So if the president likes him, though, what do people do in Homeland Security? Like, uh, we got a problem. They probably got to need to send him on speaking tour because he yeah. can do that. And uh, he probably can't say anything that would embarrass the president. I mean, that's a really low bar. That's like a chalk line that you have to jump over. Though it's fascinating that the president didn't tweet last night about the independent uh, prosecutor. He's busy golfing. No, no, it looks like he might have been lawyered up, finally. (laughs) 
So that may be a, that may be a problem in him managing uh, 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 Sheriff Clark. It's also interesting that Homeland Security didn't seem to know. I'm assuming that he actually has been appointed. But I wonder if the he didn't hear from the Donald, and then Donald, the president, didn't bother to tell Homeland Security that they're receiving this man. Oh man! So as um, longtime listeners of this program may know that I have two horses, Reno and George, and I've been involved in horses for a very long time. And I'm just, I'm most concerned, Robert, about what happens to the horses. Does he take them to D.C. with him? Is there a hitching post outside of Homeland Security that has already been installed? And where will they live? Are we going to, like, put a stable in right downtown D.C.? Because if so, I'm in. I'm all in. Is it safe? for horses to travel in downtown D.C.? They do have very good bike lanes. They actually, I don't know if those they, are... they do a giant horse show, um, okay. international horse show down, downtown D.C. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm concerned about the horses. They're, they're the innocent bystanders here. And just to be clear, I don't think we have any evidence that uh, that Sheriff Clark is unkind to his horses in it's any true. way. So, well, on that so high note. may be good at that. <laughs> on that high note, we're going to have to take a break and we'll catch you on the flip side. And we're back, and we're staying at the national level for just a moment before we go back to some state politics. Um, Something happened this last week where it proved that the Cheeto, his orangeness, has has loose lips sink ships or give uh, highly classified intel to Mother Russia, who actually runs the country. What happened, Robert? Well, it's all very bizarre, um, and if you think about it, uh, just how it got out, right, and how it got out in the most uh, damaging possible way uh, does show that Donald Trump's strategy of taking on the intelligence community was probably a bad idea. Uh, yeah, so, don't say. So I'm not saying <laughs> we as progressives should love that there's this national security state uh, that no. can strike back, but there is, so I'm just giving the political horse race kind of thing that they continue to win, Right. And so, um, and his fulminations about arresting people and the felonies of, of, of those, for those who are leaking, which is what his defenders on cable news are reduced to, uh, is, you know, not impressive. Uh, you even had that with all the, all the leaks uh, about the Bradley Foundation we talked about last week, because the response from the Bradley Foundation is, we're appalled that Walking Journal Senate would use leaked material that was hacked, right? Okay, irregardless of all this embarrassing, probably potentially illegal stuff in, in your hacked emails, Bradley Foundation. Uh, but it's the same with Trump, right? No one should know that I gave away intelligence information. And so the concern, which is, is of course, not only that you're just wi- that if you're going to give intelligence information to a, a foreign power that's at all hostile, it should be done very carefully and thoughtfully, not off the cuff. Apparently, he was bragging. Hey, I even know how the how ISIS is using laptops, right, uh, to commit Which, terrorism. Which, let's be clear, he doesn't actually right, to show how know. bravado. Uh, but part of the reason you do it carefully is, one, you have to decide whether it is strategic to release the information or not. But second, you have to protect sources. And none of that was done. And so now we know it was Israel. Their response again, the Trump White House's response that, well, we only know it's Israel because the Washington Post leaked it, da-da-da-da, is not persuasive. Uh, particularly since probably public support for the press being vigilant and telling us what's going on in the Trump White House has got to be at an all-time high, not looking at a poll, but just guessing. Uh, so... 
uh, it's a, it's just a constant drip drab, and it finally led. I mean, it, was, it follows up on the controversies last week where uh, the president uh, undercut you probably as a as a political professional were appalled to see that even though you don't like Kellyanne Conway <laughs> and uh, and I the Huckabee her. Sanders woman and oh, etc. and and the Spice Man uh, that they all ran out with the Comey was fired because of his handling of Hillary Clinton's emails and then were quickly undercut the next day by their own president saying, oh, it's because of Russia. Although I've heard some try to parse this, some conservative commentators, and claim that's not what he was saying, which is also hilarious. I don't even know where to start with all of this. It's so fascinating, right? So first of all, Comey gets fired um, after Trump, and then it comes out that Trump asked him whether or not he was being investigated. Like, what? And asked him to stop. And and told him him to stop. And oh, then he gets, you know, fired. Um, His press secretary, Shouty Spice, hid in a bush. He hid in a bush, Robert. (laughs) But but let me just be clear. But her emails. He has post-traumatic stress. Oh my God, I I would too. Then Trump decided that if the press didn't start acting nicer, there would be no more press briefing. They'd be an audio. There was an audio one or two. (laughs) And then, and then, and then, and then now we have come to Trump leaking to the Russians and calling this, any investigation of this, the, quote, biggest witch hunt, greatest witch hunt of politi- of a politician in American history. Hilarious, because yes. Trump would have led the witch hunts if we were still in the witch hunting era, I to be quite frank. Burn her, burn And I the mean, witch. there's the real witches, not really real, the, 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 the witch hunts of Salem, but they're the witch hunts of of alleged communists too, which are, so it depends which witch hunt. So if this both. was Monty Python and the Holy Grail, if we, if we put Trump in water and he floats, he's a duck, therefore a witch. Right. And if he sinks, we, <laughs> he's we, a witch. we leave him. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, and then it all ends uh, after all of this a- attempts to, de- to de- destroy the investigation an independent prosecutor. So it's a, a, a complete disaster, which was a surprise. Apparently, uh, our great Secretary of State, uh, Mr. Sessions, was over at the White House when this happened. Oh and both he God. and the Trumper were, were uh, surprised. And so that may <laughs> defer some of the, it seems to have deferred for the time being, some of the impeachment, uh, calls for impeachment. Uh, now, they, the, the person that's been put in charge is considered uh, Bob Mueller extremely credible on all sides of the aisle, which I actually, as a progressive, say... Uh, asterisks may be problematic, but uh, right. uh, and what will we be saying when we find out? Oh, like Comey was supposed to be incredibly independent and above board, and then he makes the revelation before the election that may have swung the election. So, just saying, I'm not but necessarily, I'm not necessarily sold because he has uh, um, great establishment credentials uh, that we're totally safe with this investigation. And the other problem is because I don't want to be all like the even progressive media all over this story. There better be something here because we're ignoring a whole lot of other things about the Trump administration. And if he is exonerated, then it's been a complete wild goose chase. And I and I there's all sorts of smoke and it's all weird looking. But there may not be a provable offense here that leads to Trump's removal from office, quite frankly. I mean, that's just a fact. And so but really progressives like MSNBC have put all of their eggs in this basket. This is all they talk about. Yeah. And it'll be interesting, you know, if 
and and look, like I'm in favor of calling for impeachment, and I think that it has to come from leadership because this is not a partisan issue. It really is. It should not be a partisan issue. If the president, the highest office in the land, some could argue the world, the United States president has done this, that is ridiculous, and that is an impeachable and office removable. Offense And Paul Ryan, our speaker, my good friend from the 1st Congressional District, ought to be among the first to be calling for impeachment. Well, if he were the principled conservative statesman, he, he is, claims to Robert. be. Ask him. I would, I would offer another modest proposal on this. Okay. And that is. Ignore it. Trump has very <laughs> low approval ratings among Democrats and independents and overall but he maintains 85% approval ratings from Republicans. And so Paul Ryan, uh, the boy statesman, will not be doing anything around Trump until he's unpopular with Republicans. And so that, because he's purely a political animal. Oh, yeah. And so that's no. all that's going on. And th there's also fascinating polling that Republicans are watching news outlets uh, that will reaffirm their position. And so Fox News, I mean, if you switch back, you know, if you want to go... Take take seven eight o'clock on an evening and try flipping back between CNN CNN MSNBC and Fox News. CNN and MSNBC are only talking about the Russia thing, the investigations. Fox News is trying to find stories about crazy PC liberals on campuses doing crazy things. I'm not kidding. They're like not on the topic most of the time. If you switch back and forth, and that's what Republicans are being uh, drawn to to watch. It's a fascinating time in political history here, Robert. Um, do you remember just a few mere years ago when one of the biggest scandals was that Michelle Obama wasn't wearing a dress with sleeves? She was showing her arms. And that was Fox News fodder. Do we really, after Access Hollywood, <laughs> and by the way, we did this week have the passing of Roger Ailes, so the end of an era. The sexual assaulter, Roger Ailes. What? Now, Roger Ailes, I mean, we, you know, I'm... You're I'm, a fan. No, I'm just going to say that I don't want to be disrespectful of anyone Correct. who's died. Yes. But to talk about his, it's a time to talk about the legacy. Not uh -huh. only do we have the creation of Fox News and the forcing of it on to the cable airwaves, uh, with you know hired by Rupert Murdoch, and then the complete alt reality, unfactual news, completely political, completely part of conservative movement on on the airwaves. But before that, well, in his career, he had an illustrious career of using coded racial appeals, being involved in the Southern strategy uh, with Nixon, all sorts of developments of some of the most heinous parts of the whole uh, right-wing kind of counter-revolution in this country. So he is going to go down as one of the, uh, the country's most uh, successful propagandists, really, in American history. Do you know what has made my life dramatically better, Robert? About two years ago, I dropped cable. And I really only watch things on Netflix and Hulu. And mm. then I sit with my laptop open while I watch things like Vampire Diaries at night. But never mind that. It keeps me from getting sucked into, um, frankly, what is garbage TV more often than not, uh, of flipping back and forth and this obsessive 24-hour news cycle. I would, actually, because as you know, as listeners probably know, I would never pay extra for cable. Oh, <laughs> we, we're well aware. But... Um, <laughs> It's, you get it free for your condo, We get it free condo, from our condo. Yeah. So there it is. And so I go, well, well, I better look and see what they're doing, especially, you know, when I'm making lunch for tomorrow or getting ready, you know. Uh, so I end up flipping around. 
I'm getting kind of tired of Rachel Maddow. She plays out every <gasps> tidbit for 45 minutes with some sort of bizarre dramatic narrative. I and Chris Hayes, who I know a little bit, uh, is at least more. Oh, he's man. on the same topics, but at least it's like a conversation. But anyway, I, I'm I, listeners. Quite frankly, put your pitchforks down. I'm Don't come for Robert. I'm beginning. No, I really like Major, Rachel Maddow. a brilliant person, and I've liked a lot of what she's done over the years. I'm just talking about her current coverage of Russia. But I'm finding myself going over to Anderson Cooper, which is probably sacrilege. And CNN is completely radical. Oh, at the this Silver point. Fox is good. But talking, speaking <laughs> of the Silver Fox, he's going to make us take a break. Uh, you're here with the Battleground Wisconsin and the Jorna and Robert show today, sans Matt Brusky, and we'll be back. And we are back. And we're back to talk about what Citizen Action does best. Um, advocates for real health care reform and access to health care for all Americans and all Wisconsinites that um, helps lift working families and people up and doesn't um, discriminate against the fact that things like I'm a woman, you know, my, my pre-existing condition of being female. Um, so there's been some there's been some movement around healthcare these past oh years, but recently there's been some other stuff. Robert, what's going on with Badger Care? Well, there are two different kind of sabotage tracks. At <laughs> Shocker. Least, right. There's the sabotage track of trying to repeal the Affordable Care Act and replace it with something awful. There's the Trump administration trying to figure out how to undermine the Affordable Care Act, and we've gone through some of the ways on previous Battleground Wisconsin uh, programs. Uh, there's also what Governor Walker is trying to do, and he has introduced a waiver to Medicaid, which includes Badger Care, uh, to the Trump administration with a number of provisions that would have been found illegal by any previous administration, including both Bush administrations, okay? There's, so there's an assumption that the Trump administration would approve these things. And what they're clearly designed to do before I get into the grosser details is to drive people off the rolls to save money. And the Walker administration's PowerPoint talk about how expensive Medicaid is and how it's going to get even more expensive for the state, even if you cut a bunch of people off. And therefore, we have to cut a bunch of people off, right? Obviously, people need to go without health care in the 21st century America in order to uh, pad uh, the, the uh, Walker's you know, balance sheet so he can give more tax breaks away. I mean, so the, the waiver does this. The waiver has uh, charges premiums to very low-income people. They say that's in order to get them used to paying premiums like private insurance. They'll be ready to be independent when they have jobs and get their own insurance. So it's all to help them get used to premiums, which are part of what everyone else has to pay. Well, that seems legit. I mean, it's job creation and it's helping lift people up, Robert. Well, it's spending a huge amount of money to try to collect the premium. In other words, all the administrative hassle. It's any kind of problem that might cause the person not to pay the premium and then them and their kids are without insurance for six months. And then there's a the question of these being households that literally have trouble paying for food, making the rent check every week. And, oh, we're just going to add $10 on. And that'll be fine uh, when, they're, when the households are in deficit all the time. So that's the premium thing. Then there's the big ticket item. I'll mention some others after this, but the one that gets the most attention is the forced drug testing, which, of course... Uh, he says is for their benefit because then they'll refer them to treatment and make sure that they... <laughs> and so the question is, uh, quite frankly, because low-income people do not abuse drugs more than other people, right? 
Um, and previous programs like this in other states have turned up almost no drug users, um, is why aren't we drug testing everyone? Why aren't we drug testing not only the WEDEC employees, but the businesses lining up to get the unaccountable WEDEC grants? Why aren't we drug testing the legislature? Why aren't we drug testing the Walker administration? They all get public benefits. I mean, they're all on public health care, the legislature and Governor Walker and his staff. Why are we not drug testing them? Apparently, that's only for low-income people because they're doing something wrong by being on Badger Care, is the proposition, in a society where the cost of health care is such that upper middle class people can't afford it on their own, but we're going to say that moderate income people trying to get by and move up the ladder, that's their fault, and so we're going to force drug test them. Well, I think this is a, you know, we've talked about drug testing before, and I am a 100% proponent if we're going to have any drug testing at all, every single person, because the last time I checked, I drove on a publicly funded road to get to the Citizen Action Recording Studio here this morning. I drank some clean water from my faucet that was publicly funded to be clean this morning. So I, I feel like I should be drug tested. Listeners, I will pass, just so we're clear. But I should be drug tested. Red wine tested? Nah, I'm not going to pass that one. But, you know, this is just, it's once again, it's such an attack on on folks who are really trying to lift themselves up. It's not like folks want to, you know, just sit around and take drugs and, you know, it's the welfare queen, Reagan, 80s Reagan persona that the Republicans just can demonize over and over again. And it's, it's so shameful. And so with the premiums, with this, with work requirements, where and with 48-month time limits, which again suggests that there's plenty of health care if you'll just work hard and play by the rules, which is not the case. Even so for not the case. People. <laughs> right. uh, these are all designed, the work requirements, to go to crappy job training things, which have 17% placement rates, okay, but you'll lose your badger care if you don't go to these. Uh, these are all designed to force people off health care because conservative Republicans do not want there to be a guarantee of health care. That's what this is all about. But his assumption, and we'll see because I think public attitudes are changing, it is a, a kind of a question of how aggressive the eventual Democratic nominee for governor is going to be. But I think public attitudes have changed. And this sort of thing, this forced drug testing, the blaming uh, poor people with a, and it, by the way, it's a racialized kind of image. It doesn't specifically say race, but it invokes it in a lot of, uh, in a lot of Walker's electorate. Whether this really plays to his advantage, I think this could begin to turn against him as a craven politician willing to do anything to get reelected, basically. Well, you know, we talk about we talk about premiums and it's not cheap. I have mentioned before that I'm on the exchange. I pay well over $300 a month for my health care and I have one of the lowest, you know, bronze plans with high deductibles and not super great coverage. My 62, 63-year-old mother, oh, she's going to kill me if she listens. Um, you know, pays well over $650 a month for her health care on the exchange. Um you know, why Why can't we figure out how to be like America's hat up there in Canada? You know, I mean, Justin Trudeau, one, he's good looking and look like the Cheeto. He's a good guy, it appears. And, oh, he's providing health care for his citizens. And despite the fact that it's a little cold up there, um, Canada looks better and better every day. Well, because Medicare which is a single-payer plan, works a whole heck of a lot better huh. uh, than any of these plans. But then, and rather than doing that and going that direction, Republicans run on health care, and then they give us the American Health Care Act, which would only force 24 million people off health care to free up money for more tax Pasha. breaks for the wealthy. 
Uh, and that process is interesting. They had to twist arms and had that weird stuff with Fred Upton to get it through by two votes. And I'm not sure if it goes through if the Comey stuff occurs before. So, But it's now in the U.S. Senate, and uh, so Mc McConnell's going to totally rewrite it with the Republican caucus with a work group. At first, they had a little bit of a misstep, as I think you mentioned uh, last week, Jorna, that the work group was all white men originally. You don't say. And so they claim to have fixed that, but now Ron Johnson, who doesn't fix that, has joined the work group. That uh, really diversified it. Yes. So, and who's still God. not holding public meetings, though he's having some sort of meeting with the Grand Sons of Liberty Tea Party group in Franklin on Sunday, or also so diverse. Facebook reports. Uh, but they're going to apparently come up with some totally different plan that may not be able to pass the House. Now, we, but we need to keep working on this. So we're continuing. To have events, we, with the League of uh, Progressive Seniors and other allies, had a Mother's Day march. Our, our Wausau group working with the um, uh, <laughs> working with the uh, with the F Forward Wisconsin Network up in Wausau had a die-in this week. That definitely sounds like a riot. Both and kinds of riots. Our <laughs> organizing director Kevin Kane is on tour late in the week doing press events on the Badger Care waiver. Uh, in Wausau and Eau Claire with our two organizing cooperatives in those two areas and then going to Madison to deliver over a hundred, uh, over a thousand, a hundred thousand, excuse me, a thousand comments uh, objecting to the, the Walker Badger Care waiver that we just talked about. Does he have a chauffeur? Um, we do not provide at Citizen Action a chauffeur. He, <sighs> he was allowed to rent an economy car oh God, for $32 a day uh, for the trip. Uh, that that would be our standards. No chauffeur. Um, wow. So the state of the state of the country, the state of politics in in this country, Robert. How would you, in one word, one one word, how would you define them? Chaotic. Oh, that's a good one. That that is a good word. I would define it as crazy town. If you we could throw in threatening to both threaten, of those threatening. Draconian, to use one of your favorite words, Robert. Uh, so, so what are some next steps that folks can take to make sure that we keep this pressure on? Well, we're going to be and uh, really pay attention to Citizen National Wisconsin's website uh, for events and our Facebook page. We're actually launching a whole, um, a whole new co-op, a healthcare co-op led by doctors and nurses uh, very soon. And so there'll be more on that. But Basically, the only reason it took them so much to pass a really bad bill in the House, even though that people thought that would be easy, was because of this Democratic uprising and, and shining a bright light on health care. And the danger is, is that all of the other crazy Trump stuff allows them to do the health care bill because it takes public attention off of it. So we are going to have to keep it up. And Ron Johnson is now the target. And Ron Johnson is saying... Unlike the uh, Republicans in the congressional legation, all the right things, slow down, do it mindfully, can't do it like the House is doing it, He's saying a lot of the right things, but no one in Washington, D.C. who like, tracks this stuff considers him a doubtful vote. They think he'll vote for whatever's put in front of him. So, uh, we, they will. so we need to try to hold him accountable for what he's promising and what he and his staff is saying about health care. He just needs some more time to read things, Robert. We've, we've shown that he needs, he needs time for the reading. He's very challenged. Uh, so if we had a flash mob at, in front of Senator Johnson's office, would that be considered a riot? Well, if... Do you know what a flash mob is, Robert? Yes. <laughs> I do know what a flash mob is. Thank you, Jordan. Just checking. Just checking. 
Who do you think you're on with? Oh, man. Gracious. I uh, mean, you are hip. Are you on the Snapchats, Robert? Well, I'm not on the Snapchats, but, you know, <laughs> people know what a flash mob is. So, All right, just checking, just checking. So it depends if someone says that there was a uh, credible threat of property damage. All right, well. So I th- it sounds like it takes one person to say, let's tear this door down. And isn't that a, predical, uh, uh, a credible threat of property damage because there are enough people to tear the door down? And that's a riot, apparently, oh, well, if, if, it, right. if that passes the legislature. So listeners, you can find Robert at your nearest flash mob in the near future. Um, I would encourage you all to get out there, keep the pressure on, talk to your elected officials about the importance of providing health care. With that, we are going to have to sadly come to a close. We will be joined next week on the Battleground Wisconsin with our friend Matt Bress. But thanks for being with us and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.